we are never truly lost. Well, okay, sure. Maybe we get turned around for a few days in the woods where life just feels like it's getting the best of us and everything's going wrong. And I'm Mike Martin, and I've stood right where you're standing, lost, beaten down, like nothing's ever gonna change. And that's why I built this camp. And that's why I'm inviting you to join me and all the members of this wild community. Because you know what, friend? It does get better. So come along with me into the wild and let me show you this awesome, unique skill set that lays within inside of you. With help from the land, we're gonna unlock the steward that's inside each and every one of us that will lead the way out of the darkness and into healing. Here at the Camp of Healing on Project Mindfully Outdoors. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to Project Mindfully Outdoors, the podcast. And today, you're tuning in for an episode that kicks off that final march. You know, the final last days are on the clock now before the opening of archery season. And if you're anything like me, you know anything about me or anybody else around camp man this week is gonna fly by it's gonna be crazy busy and it's gonna be a lot of fun because we're closing the doors shut in fact we're kicking that door shut on september kicking in the door to october and getting out in those deer woods i am excited i am ready to go and i can't wait until the first finally gets here now I got a feeling that today is one of those weeks that it's worth kicking off with a smile on your face and to have some fun. And when my guest, Peru Paprez, joins me at the campfire for this conversation, you're going to find out exactly what I mean. Because Peru is an award-winning author, a literacy advocate, and he's even in the Guinness Book of World Records. But I'm allowed to him tell you that story. So uh, on the flip side of this word from our sponsor, I really hope you enjoyed this conversation. I really hope you learned something from a modern day cowboy who is using not only the outdoors, but every facet of his life to leave an amazing legacy and live the most fulfilling version of a story that he can. So I hope you enjoy.
No matter what I'm doing, when I'm in the field, I take Onyx with me because there's no one that I trust more than to keep me on the right path. Onyx is the staple in digital mapping and GPS. So whether I'm out hunting or I'm on a hike, Onyx is the way to go. It's the only tool that I trust to keep me in the right spot and help me understand the new areas that I find. That way, it takes the wonder out of everything. It even keeps me on the right side of the property lines too. And all of that equals more time spent hunting and enjoying the adventure and less time guessing and worrying. So listen, for less than the price of a pack of shells or a backpack full of snacks, the tools of the Onyx family will blow your mind and take the guesswork out of where you are. You don't even need phone service because Onyx works with just the GPS of your phone alone. So if you haven't downloaded the Onyx family of apps yet, you're truly missing out, which means that you need to click the link in the show notes right now and join the Onyx team and take advantage of the full power of Onyx today. crew this is like one of those conversations that i was stumbling around looking for people and i came across you when i first read your bio and everything i was super excited that somebody else out there has that passion for the outdoors and using it in the same way that i found to be kind of that that anchor that centering point for me that i can grow in the out in the outdoor space i can bring that into everyday life and wrap some kind of like philosophy type uh understanding around it because really that's been the whole theme of my past three or four years like this huge firework that went off about philosophy and how it helps you to understand things and then realizing dude i do all these things in the outdoors i can bring those skills into the everyday life and man i can rebuild where i'm at i can make it better well you're speaking my language mike <laughs> it's, it's great and it's great to be on, it's great to be on your show thank you i'm excited about this one i i want to get right into it because uh when i was actually getting ready for this i uh seen a little thing that you achieved that i've had a little bit of experience of watching other people go for that's getting into the Guinness Book of World Records. I'm sure that was a fun story. That's I got to hear story. this story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whenever you want to start, we can start anywhere, but that's that's a fun one. Let's do it. Let's dive right into that. All right. Sounds good. Well, I guess, I guess there's a little bit of an introduction here to your audience. So um, I brought out a book a few years ago called The Legacy Letters. Um, 
it was, I've written a number of books, but I hadn't written one in a number of years. The long and short of that to get back, this is gonna be a bit of a roundabout story to get to Guinness, but I think it's important to get to the background. So I had worked in the film industry, the feature film industry in Hollywood. And um, I was at the top of the game. I was in the art department and uh, really found myself, um, uh, you know, the, the whole bright lights, the bright city lights and the Hollywood stuff. Yeah, it's all true. And it's a fast life. And I found myself sort of spiritually bereft and uh, needed to get out of there. And I did. I, I sort of I, I took what I called a drive about uh, for about six months all around the West and ended up um, in a what I call a three bar town because you don't want to be in a one bar town. You need, three, <laughs> you need at least three to make it work um, on, on the border here in Southern Arizona where I'm at now. And um, I ended up going back to my roots. It was really interesting. My granddad had a small ranch when I was growing up. Um, I'd been around um, cowboys a bit throughout my life. And so here I was literally at the, the Hollywood I lived on Hollywood and Sunset, if you can imagine, and I ended up on a ranch. Um, the first place I worked, I, I started fencing and I was by myself for six months, pretty much alone. I started riding out of the back of this pickup um, at night by lantern light. And this whole, this, it was, I guess for want of a better phrase, it was a midlife crisis and the best thing for that for me was I, I had it early. So if you're going to have them, have them early. Um, but uh, it was interesting that this, this, this series of writings came out that ended up being a series of letters that this father who would not live to see his kids, um, he wanted to leave behind a practical moral and a spiritual guidebook for them. So after a number of years, I finished this thing up. Um, I ended up at another ranch on a, as a foreman. But again, I was pretty much by myself out there running these ranches. Again, for people who don't know, there's cowboys and there's ranchers. Cowboys are the working stiffs. Ranchers own it. I was the working stiff. So um, I wrote this book. I hadn't uh, published a number of years, brought it out. Um, it won a bunch of awards nationally. It's done really well. And um, you know, I was at book signings. I'm doing back in that life again. And, and you got, I got to admit, you know, book signings are great. Everyone wants to meet the author and, uh, and, and they're all lauding you and all this. But after a while, I began to say, God, I want to be outside. I just love being outside. So I started doing these book signings on horseback and on glaciers and on top of volcanoes and, and all this, I called them the first ever book signings. And that became a thing. And, um, and I started promoting childhood literacy and, and talking to kids about this and getting them excited. So the long and short of it is, is I'm reading this one of the first letters in the book to this class. And it's basically how to say please and thank me. It sounds like an understatement, but I'm big on politeness. And so I'm reading this letter to them and uh, this is where, the, where my son went to school. And all of a sudden this thing popped into my head. And I thought, God, Hey, you guys, what if we, what if we wrote the world's biggest thank you letter? Let's make it the size of a football field. They're like, oh, Mr. Papperts, that would be so cool. I said, yeah, that'd be so cool. And then the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you're nuts, man. The size of a football field. It ended up being the size of a high school basketball gym, handwritten 
with uh, sentences from the kids. Um, we ended up um, getting in the news and all this great stuff. And we, we kicked off National Thank You Letter Day with it. So that was on November 14th. That was, I think, five years ago. And then what do you do with the world's largest thank you letter? You have to send it. So we created the world's largest envelope and stamp. We sent it out. And all the while, we're trying to get a Guinness record out of this. Well, COVID hit and nothing happened. And all, all of a sudden, this last year in January, Guinness sends a, a record say, you've won the world one. You've earned a Guinness record for the first part, the world's largest envelope. I'll take any which one. Um, but, but that was it. So that's the long, long story to how I got a Guinness record. Um, and uh, it's, it's really something. If you go to nationalthankyouletterday.com, you can check out the letter and you can check out everything else we've done along those lines. But it's, uh, it's really cool. No, that's a cool and beautiful story. Yeah, catch your breath for a minute there. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I think the reason that that jumped out at me so much when I was digging through today is because it sets up everything that drew me to want to reach out and have this conversation. You know, the literacy aspect, the work with the children, the passion about just being a mentor and teaching people and how that really turns around and reflects on yourself through teaching somebody else you're teaching yourself and you're learning yeah, all these new skills because it's opening up a whole new mindset and i think that that right there just made a fun intro into all those different ideas so let's jump right into it because i mean i'm you know i'm a father i've gone through a shipwreck of a life over the especially the past i don't know 30 years leading up to the car wreck that put me on the path that I'm on now and diving into, you know, just like you mentioned in your story, how there's always that calling to get back into the outdoors. That was what really became my state. You know, when I got there, that's when I started to feel that connection. I started to feel, you know, inside of myself, I felt right. And as I started to do that, I started to realize all these different things that were going on in my life that needed to be shifted and changed, rebuilt, burnt down, whatever. And it took kind of realizing that, you know, I have all these things that I do in the outdoors, all these mental skills, these physical skills, and it's safe. So I can start building a pathway based off of things that I already do in a different context. Yeah, I, like I said, really preaching to the choir. I, I find so much solace. I find so much beauty. I find so much spirituality. Uh, I, I just, you know, being raised um, in the Pacific Northwest, being raised in the mountains and kayaking and and in sailing and fishing and, and backpacking, all these things, you know, they're part and parcel of, of being brought up. I, I long for the mountains all the time. I long for skiing. I long for the snow. I long for all those things. Um, and, and, and not in a bad way. They, they, I can, I can read a book and be there. Uh, of course, I'd rather be there in person. And I've raised my son that way. So he's been raised from the, from the get go. We, you know, in terms of um, 
a family philosophy. We took him down, my wife and I took our son down the Grand Canyon when he was seven months old. Um, and uh, it was in January and it was a blizzard the night before. And so we, we had to go through two feet of snow to get to the trail and we had on crampons to get down through the ice. And then we, we brought him down to Phantom Ranch and there's our son crawling around there. But that's part of his family culture. And so it's normal for him to do that. That's kind of how I was raised. And I feel like, you know, at some point with different variables that happened, I got pulled away from it, ended up in a different context of how you mentioned being caught up in the lights and the hustle and bustle of everything. You lose touch with it. Then you just hit that moment where it's like, man, I can redirect myself. I redirect myself back to the outside. And when I get out there, it's not a bad thing because it gives you that time to slow down and sit in the stillness. As much fun and, ex and adventure excitement as you get in the outdoors, you know, it's kind of basic one of the themes and the attractions for going outside on these trips is that stillness. When you connect with that, then you start to get the opportunity to think, sort through your thoughts. And when I feel like for me, it was a shift when that happened. That was what inspired me to start picking books back up and start reading. And when you bridge those two things together, you start to find a new vocabulary to start asking yourself questions and understanding the answers in a different light. And I think that's one of those avenues that when you start spinning all this stuff together, it really starts making its own gravy and building the foundation for, you know, where we're all trying to go in that. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely agree with that. I, I just, one of the things I've been sort of talking about for years is how, and I don't want to blame it all on, on the digital world because I think pre pandemic, um, you know, we were, we were just as going as fast as we could every which way all the time. And I think even the digital world added to that. So I, I felt like people inside themselves and within their families were just in this pinball mode of living life. And I think what being outdoors does is it, well, I mean, it may sound cliche, it reconnects you. You know, it, it, it brings you back to very, very simple ways of, of I've, I've got to get my food. I've got to, uh, you know, I, 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 the, the, the motions of the day are reduced to the very simple acts of morning, noon, and night. And that seems to be a way of um, washing away all our, our, civilization sins so to speak and and bringing us back down into the earth does that does that make sense i mean it makes sense yeah definitely sense. yeah see i i can apply that to uh you know my first the first stages of this journey where i was living in my truck so i was kind of losing those different wants needs desires that i feel like the modern day world gives us and it's the same thing as when you're in the outdoors. It's just, it's simple. 
it's a simpler way of life and that frees up so much space to have that connection not only with yourself and the environment that you're in but also with the family and the people that truly matter to you you know when you boil it down to those simple contexts of life you really start to see who's around you for the most important and that being who you are and how you guys enhance each other's life story. Yeah, I I'm I'm amazed at how people transform themselves. Um my dad was uh, a ranger when I was growing up, but and a geography teacher was an interesting combination and he would take these trips and that I would go on. One of them was um, we, we kayaked down the Yukon River from Whitehorse to Dawson City. It was a two-week trip. And it was fascinating to watch, even back then, how people shed civilization. Um, and it took it takes a few days. And it's really interesting to watch how people find find their own internal rhythm of being in the wilderness because it's a very it's in some ways it's it's deeply genetic because this is where we came from but we've um we've sort of paper macheed so much civilization on us that we actually have to sort of rip it off and it, it doesn't come off easily and it comes off in strange pieces um but when it does people begin to settle down and they they begin to 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 find the rhythm of their days and it's not so um it's not it's definitely not frenetic you know you're not you're not your head's not swirling around like you're in an exorcist movie constantly you're not checking your phone all the time although we didn't have them back then and you're you're actually forced to commune you're forced to rely upon yourself and you're forced to actually talk to yourself gosh people are how often are people ever alone anymore they're not no they're not no and i feel like you know that aspect alone changes the whole environment the whole construct of how you see yourself because when you don't take that time to interact with yourself and check in mm -hmm. it it slowly mutes the volume gets turned down until it's gone and everything else around you is defining who you are. And then if you have an event in life where, you know, fate takes everything that's given you that different definition away, then you're then you're just lost. You're you're like scared crazy. You know, you're frantic running in every direction trying to figure out what it, what it is that you're supposed to do. And it's all because you lost touch with yourself. And you mentioned the idea of talking to yourself. You know, I remember one of the first ther talk therapy sessions that I did. That was uh, the first thing that the therapist had recommended to me. Just sit and talk out loud. Go talk to yourself. And I thought that was stupid. <laughs> I was right. like, I'm going to sound like the most, you know, the most insane person in the world if I start doing that. But I feel like putting it into practice and putting that internal 
bias to the side mm-hmm. and actually going for it, I've developed this unique kind of connection of friendship with myself where <laughs> I like that. Like, that's great. Even if, you know, there's nobody around me, I'm good. Mm-hmm. And maybe I've taken that to some extremes, but you know, that, that could be a whole different subject in itself. Mm-hmm. And I think it ties back to the idea of when you get out in the wild and you're shedding the modern hustle and bustle a lot of the time, and I know I was guilty of this for a long time, mm-hmm. you're scared of that idea. You know, you, you want to stay just within service range so that you got your phone to fall back on right. because those ideas creep up on you, man. Yeah. And those thoughts, and when you're in that stage, it's like, dude, I don't want to know what's going to come out. I don't know what's want to deal with what's going to pop into my head because I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's really interesting too. The whole idea of being alone um, is so scary. Absolutely, it is. scare. I'm frightening, not and especially more so that now you are tethered to this phone, and it literally is a digital addiction. But again, even before that, we were at that stage where we just had to be plugged into the constant stimulation of whether it be TV or things or, you know, going here, going there, going everywhere, all as if that was what was supposed to fill you up for a, um, for a life well lived. And then you step outside of that and you, again, peel all that away or put in a position where that's all taken away from you. And much like any addiction, right? You've got these withdrawal symptoms. I mean, you're, you're meeting yourself. I, I, I don't have the stimulation anymore. I don't have this. Well, what fills it? And all this, not all of a sudden, there is this like, well, here it is. Look around you. It's called nature. It's called sunlight. It's called blue skies. It's called rain. It's called snow. It's called the earth. It's called the, you know, and and finding your um, finding your voice back into that. That's a really wild thing for people to do. And I've seen a lot of people over many, many years who that I was uh, fortunate to have guided in the backcountry um, come back and just and say, you've changed my life. And I'm always shocked by that because I was brought up with this. But then again, if you look at that, how powerful that is for someone who has rarely had that, maybe their experience in the wilderness are the camping trips they had when they were growing up. But to actually take them into the heart of the wilderness and do this is um, extraordinary. It can, it can reveal the best of who you are, and it can reveal the things, the demons that you never knew were lurking there. And it's it's uh, it's, it's it's an amazing journey. It really is. It's kind of that concept of as you're walking down the path and the trail's getting out there, you're leaving a different layer or a different color of all the masks that you hide all these things from.
know, there's something to be said about the confidence that comes from getting out on the water with the best of the best, which is why I'm so grateful, excited, and proud to partner with Cast King because when you hit the water, it's all about breaking the bank, not your wallet. And Cast King, they totally understand that. So that's why they offer the best of the best at an affordable price. You know what? Skip on snacks, not your rod and reel. So if you're in the market for a new setup, I'm inviting you to check out the full line of rod and reels that Cast King has to offer. And if you take the challenge, I know you'll be as blown away as I was. You know, they were the winners of the new product showcase at the 2015 iCast Awards show. So the guys at Casking, they've got it figured out and they got you covered when it comes to upping your game on the water. So hit the link in the show notes and let us help you to keep fishing fun because exposure re- rewrites experience and Cast King's whole line of affordable rod and reels will make the difference on your next fishing adventure. So hit the link in the show notes and check out Cast King. to get out there and you're forced to deal with and accept hey you know life has been nothing but trial and error with them, just like it's done for everybody else and i'm sure you can appreciate this as i've moved this to like this uh camp of healing concept i'm sure you can kind of i'm sure you can appreciate this uh idea that i've been working with which is the uh conservation and stewardship of, of yourself based mm-hmm. on learning the concepts of how that actually evolved in the outdoor space, which is through trial and error. You know, we make a mistake, there's a cause and there's an effect for it. Mm-hmm. It's learning how to understand what that cause, what that effect is, and then what can be done when we take action, but also seeing how our actions affect every step of the process and really analyzing and learning it. And then setting in those boundaries, like for example, the establishment of hunting seasons. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a key part of building the whole conservation idea in the wild. Right. And yeah. doing, doing that sort of thing for ourselves is one of those things that we're not going to get it right the first time. We can't be afraid of that because we've also got to learn to accept we didn't get it right every time before that. And it's all about breaking the patterns and breaking the cycles just as much as it's about retraining ourselves. Yeah. And I think that's part of, I mean, how do we do that on what scale can we do that? I mean, with your podcast and the the work that I do, I think we reach, we try to reach more people. 
but it's it really comes down to saying how the importance of stopping and smelling the roses, right? One of the things I I love to talk about is um, at the end of the day, I like to look at and say, have you, have you, did you do a kind act? Did you, did you sort of fulfill your, uh, the idea of being a good guy? You know, did you help someone out? Did you do something like that? But with that, did you have this, did you, uh, it sounds sort of corny, but did you commune? I don't, I don't put it that way in my head because it's more of a, did, were you, did you take a moment to just check out the sky? Did you check a moment just to, to watch the rain clouds? You, and I do, I do. When I get up in the morning and when I go to bed at night, I make sure that those two bookends I always have this moment of um, ah, silent meditation, I guess, but it's just a moment of like, hey, I'm upright, I'm, I'm vertical, and there's sun pouring on my face, and there's wind, and whew, this is actually really, really good. Um, the same at night with the stars and, and whatnot, or if I can do that during the day. And it's like taking, it's the closest I can get to to take a wilderness time out when I'm in a urban suburban setting to remind me of, again, what's important in my life. One of the, one of the things that's important, which is recognizing that I am in the natural world and that it gives me a lot of, um, of life energy. Which has grown that practice of being mindful. Yeah. Of keeping good. yourself, bringing yourself back into the moment yeah. and, you know, outside, that's deer hunting. That's something that you've got to do and bring yourself into the moment really with any kind of hunt. You're out there and it's so easy because it's so slow to just drift off in the thought and get, you know, and lose touch with what you're doing. And you run the risk of something running by that you're going to want to go pursue. And yeah. you tell yourself that constantly. So you bring yourself back to the moment. I know it's cold, it's slow. I'm staring at the same tree all day long. Yeah. Outside of that, that tree could be hiding, you know, a buck of a lifetime. So I'm yeah. gonna focus on that tree. I'm gonna pay attention to every little leaf on it as it changes color while I'm staring at it. It don't matter. I gotta <laughs> right. be there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. And then when we move into you know our daily life, when we come back from the hunt it's so easy to get caught up in all that stuff. And we forget that we just spent a whole day out there practicing mm -hmm. the idea of mindfulness. And I know a little further down my journey with that talk therapy I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. these are the kind of things that jumped out at me when these ideas were presented. Like, you know, meditation was suggested because I'm a horrible sleeper. I laughed it off. I was like, man, that that's stupid. That's not me. You know, I'm that they just don't fit my life or anything that I could put into context. And then I'm, I pull out the crossbow the next day and I'm like, Oh dude, I just breathe. I was just working on my breathing. It's meditation, <laughs> <laughs> You know, right. it's like funny how we just stumble into all these different things. And we're like, dude, if I apply that to life, those are changing events. Those are practices that, strengthen 
not only me, but the things that I can teach my kids so that they possibly don't end up repeating the same patterns and cycles that set my, my life haywire. You know, if we can get past all that, help not only build ourselves up in real time, because we are being watched 24 hours a day. And there is no instruction manual. You know, we're going based off of what we learned. Mm-hmm. And when we realize that those things are unhealthy and we've changed them, they see that. And they see how that process worked and they get to adapt that into their life. And being a parent, a lot of the time we get caught up in the rat race of it. We forget that we are a mentor as well. Yeah, we got to walk our talk, right? I mean, that's really what it's about. It is. And, you know, there's there's a lot of, one of the books I really, really rely on is Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. And there's a lot of that constant reminding of himself with that exact theme in there and one of the things that drew me to that was the fact that you know here was the most powerful man in his day struggling with the exact same things that i am you know the depression the anxiety the trying to stay in the moment trying to tame your anger just do the right thing because it's what's best for you in order to contribute to everything else out there Yeah, I, yeah, you definitely said that with the, with, especially with meditation and, and all the forms that meditation comes in. Um, the least of which is that taking a moment to say, being outside. I mean, literally as simple as stepping out the door, saying, "I, I'm going to take a break. I'm not going to touch the damn phone. I'm going to leave it on the table. I'll go take five minutes outside, and it's. I'm just going to." cleanse myself you know i'm gonna breathe it in i'm gonna you don't have to make a big what to do about it but just say this it's an important moment to just um you take a time out an adult time out right that's a great thing we don't do it well i mean we 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 think we do it but a little true time out with with the natural world and man, nature just gives back so much if you're willing to if you're willing to to let it in. Just it's just phenomenal. I remember what. So interestingly enough, um, we went back and did the Grand Canyon, um, uh, the North to South Rim, uh, a few years ago. And it's not that it's about a thirty mile hike, give or take, the 20, 25 or so. And um, and it's not a difficult hike. It's a magnificent hike. If any of you ever get the chance to do it, definitely do it. But even to get down to the bottom of the canyon itself is, is something extraordinary. So we cross over. My son at that time is 12, I think. And we're coming up the backside. We've been out for a few days. And he said, hey, Papa, is it okay if I, if I go ahead? Well, gosh, we're in an enclosed ecosystem in the canyon. And I'm like, yeah, you're fine. Go ahead. So I just said, you know, go if go ahead. 15 minutes, take a stop, and you know, take a break. We'll catch up. That type of thing. So it was great. He, he did that a few times, and then after a certain point, he went ahead almost like a half an hour. I was a little concerned, but not so because I knew there were people on trail. And uh, I eventually caught up with them, and I said, well, wow 
what's going on? I mean, you really got ahead of us. And he goes, he goes, I, it says, I get it. He goes, I was, I was high on nature and I was by myself. And he said, it was incredible. And I, I almost, I, I mean, I almost broke out in tears and laughter to hear those words. He says, you know, like Rocky Mountain High, right? With John Denver. But to hear your son right. say, what the heck? Are you really? And he goes, and, and I said, really, is that? And he goes, yeah, yeah, it was, it was incredible. And I was like, wow, to be given that gift at that age, to, to have it. I was like, well, I said, go on ahead, <laughs> have some more. See, and that's kind of the stage with my youngest where I'm at is he's hit that age where he's able to really fully tag along and go on some of these adventures. This year, this summer, it's been a lot of the fishing trips oh, that nice. I've gone on. So we spent a lot of time up and down the river chasing catfish. And oh, sweet. You know, just to see, oh, it's been a blast, man. He, I, I almost... Kind of hate to admit that he's outfished me most of the time he's gone. <laughs> it, it's going to happen. I, oh, it's definitely going to happen. And I think that's really the important part is because when you do take your, your child out with you to experience these things, you're not only adding to their vocabulary, but for you, it becomes more of a guide type role. Mm -hmm. You know, you learn to put yourself on the back burner because, yeah, you know, it's like I'm wanting to be the one throwing out the line, pulling in all these massive catfish and everything. But meanwhile, in reality, I'm standing off the side, pulling off fish or retying lines yeah. on snagging snags. And, you know, that it teaches him not only that freedom and that willingness to adventure and explore, but it's teaching you to enjoy it just as much as he is and see it through that childlike lens. Oh, oh my gosh. So much so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's extraordinary. It's, it's, and again, talk about being in the moment and being, I mean, why have your kids, if you can't enjoy that part of that interaction with them and, and what a gift, what a gift, a gift to give the, the, the gift of the outdoors for want of a better phrase, you know, to take with them the rest of their life and pass on. Cause no matter what, if, if that's a gift and they appreciate it, even if they go away for a while, they'll be coming back to it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you're, you know, I'm sitting here sharing this story and just relishing in that gift and that experience. Thinking back to when my grandfather gave me that gift, you know, it was the same, oh, yeah. same thing over yeah. fishing. You know, I remember going out in the boat and I'd take, you know, toys and whatever with me because obviously being a kid, your attention span's a lot shorter and he wanted to fish all day. Right. And that just being like the greatest time of my life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when elements happened or things in life happened that changed the direction for a while, to get back out there after he passed away, it still brings me that connection. And I think that's something that we instill in our kids as we take them out there and we do these things. It becomes almost like an anchor. 
where mm-hmm. they're going to walk away with this thing throughout their life saying, man, when life gets bad, I know where I can go and find myself again. You know, I don't have to go take that big expensive vacation, right? which really isn't yeah. helping at all. I can literally take myself, go to the, sh- go to the shoreline mm-hmm. and retire within myself and find the greatest villa that each one of us have. Yeah, well put. Yeah, yeah, and what a and what a, uh, a a spiritual life preserver to give them for the rest of their life, no matter what, you know. And, and right. not only not only a life preserver, but you know, uh, just oh, yeah. If you're if you're in to a place where you don't know how to get yourself out of, um, put this on and go out there. And and it, I love the feeling of being humbled in nature. I think that's one of the great gifts that nature, it takes you down to size and it puts it into the proper perspective. Oh, I'm just, I'm just an ant in the grand scheme of this massive universe. And that's okay. That's actually a good thing because it makes all those other problems I have seem like nothing. It really, it's the, the humility, the, the, the joy of being humbled. And the learning experience from it. Yeah. Because we, we all get caught up in that ego of the day-to-day grind where we, you know, we achieve this, we achieve that. And we blow the story up so much within our own heads that when there's a little cheek in the armor, it's like the end of the world. Yeah. When you, walk out, when you walk out there into the wilderness, you're not set up, you're not guaranteed all those successes. You have to go out, you have to earn those things. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that you're not guaranteed. This, yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, that's well put, Mike. I like that a lot. I've spent many a trips that I've gone out and busted my hump all day and just to come back to the truck empty-handed and i know that we all have that's kind of like it, it goes with the territory yeah and when you go out there the first couple of times by yourself and you're expecting those big results just because you showed up yeah. and then you come back to the truck and you got to look at yourself and go man that bed's empty i gotta yeah. figure out what i did <laughs> what i didn't do yeah it, it makes you think. It teaches you to think outside the box, and it it, it builds that Swiss Army knife of life. <laughs> yeah, <that's> <laughs> you know, there's a great mountaineer's saying, um, and it's it's really true that when you make it to the top of a mountain, you're only halfway there. You still have to come down. You still have to come down safely, and uh, having been a guide and having climbed mountains all my life. Um, that truism has come home, come to roost many, many times. I was up on a climb in the Grand Teton and Grand Teton National Park, just below Yellowstone, and and um, a, a couple of us were up there, and uh, it was a pretty hard peak, and we we're about about a hundred feet shy when the afternoon rainstorms came in, the thunderstorms, and they ca- and you're always looking out for them, especially in that neck of the woods, but boy, they came in fast. And they were just, they were humming, man. You could feel that electricity, boom, and the lightning would come down and you could feel it in the air. It was, 
when you're up that high and you're near thunderstorms like that, it, you know, you can, it, it's, it's on you. And um, hundred feet, hundred feet. I mean, we could have practically ran to the time and we had to still climb. And it was like, no, let's get out of here. We're done. We bailed off the mountain later on the day, you know, we come off and just, and the, the great story, it's almost such a life analogy. It's like, it wasn't about the, the end of the journey. It was the journey, right? And all we have is this great story to tell of how we didn't get electrified on top of that peak. And we came down to live another day to climb another peak. I think you actually just set up the one single question that I ask everybody. <laughs> Perfectly at the end, now that you're all nice and warmed up. <laughs> from the trails the range and the gymnasium leave us with some words of wisdom and inspiration from your journey Oof. you know i've actually been thinking of something i i have my book here and i thought of one of the letters in it, and it's called um it's called the church of earth and sky and I think it's really apropos of what we're talking about. But give me half a second here. Um, it's toward the end of the book. And I think you're going to appreciate this because I think it's not a religious poem. It's a very spiritual poem here. All right, give me a moment here. Sorry about that. I don't have it. Ah, here it is. And here's the book right here, guys. So if you ever take a look at where that's at, you know, not so much as the plug, but I'll, um, but here it is. And he doesn't know his children's name, so he calls them little ones. Little ones, there is a church I go to. I walk to this church in the rain. I walk to this church in the snow. Although I'm not a man of a formal God, one who arrives with many rules and smoke and exhortation, I still go to this most magnificent church. Its walls are many the pine and pinion trees, the arroyos and canyons, the green shale mountain and the shearing granite cliffs. Its ceiling is the Pleiades and Orion and a thousand more stars whose names I can't remember. Its grand chandelier is an incandescent harvest moon. And when the night church is finished building itself, then it gives way to the day church. Its candelabra becomes the soul, slow solstice sun as it meanders up the ridgeline and beyond, and the vaulted beams of its ceiling are now the reddening gray thunderclouds of a new storm unveiling. I go to this church where a Chinook wind comes to calm my heavy soul. I go to this church for mid-autumn's rain to wash away the tears of a sorrowing heart. I go to this church to feel a colding winter that silences my confusion and fear with the feathered grace of a million falling snow crystals. I go to this church where the sermons of earth and sky teach me once again of where I was born and what I must follow. I go to this church that gives no judgment or damnation. It is always a beginning, always a deep silence and forever the primal. It is a desolate church. It is built in the sundowns and horizons of what is vast and trembling in the universe. What is taught here is given only to those who listen, given in quiet words and in ways not obvious. It is both forgiving and unrelenting with no guilt or apology. And every day sees the sacrifice and a hope. And it goes on from there. I love it. 
I think that really does sum up the whole point of we were dancing around here is that connection and not being afraid to jump out there and plug into the wild because these are the benefits of it. These are the things that happen to you and the understandings that come when you get out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is, um, I hope those are great words to, to end on your lovely <laughs> program, Mike. Most definitely. So before we do wrap this up, you got to let everybody know how they can follow you, get in touch with you, get your book, all that good stuff. Yeah, all that good stuff. Well, the book is The Legacy Letters. Pretty easy to remember. TheLegacyLetters.com. You can look up my on YouTube, Carew, on, or CarewTube. See all the, the fun videos that we've done with kids and uh, in the, in the I Love to Read series and the, the first ever book signings. And of course, on that lovely big beast of a bookstore called Amazon, you can find it there. But I'm a big promoter of local bookstores. So if you just ask them, they'll get it for you. Um, really a, a, a true pleasure to be on your show, Mike. And uh, I, I love what you're, you're, you're giving to the world. And uh, just more and more, of, let's, get that, let's get that out there for people to be in the outdoors. That's important. And this has been amazing. This has been awesome. Thank you yeah. for taking the time. Yeah, you got it, Mike. Thanks again. Well, that's it. That's all. That's the end. We have reached the end of yet another amazing episode of Project Mindfully Outdoors. You know, I really hope you had as much fun as I did, did with this conversation. And I really want to thank Karu for taking the time out of his day to uh, sit down and, well, record this and put it together. You know, I want to highly encourage you to uh, swing on over, pick up the Legacy Letters. I, it's a really great read, and I believe it, you'll really enjoy it as much as I did. I'll go ahead and link to that in the show notes for you. So, uh, as we keep going on this busy week, stay focused, enjoy it, and remember to stay in the moment. Until next time, get out there in the wild. That's where the stillness and the adventure lies. See ya.
Hey, it's Mike. And before we get out of here, not only do I want to thank you one more time, but I want to encourage you to uh, swing on over to projectmindfullyoutdoors.com. Sign up for all the updates delivered directly to your inbox. That way you don't miss a moment of the adventure in the deer woods this fall. And I also encourage you to swing over to our uh, sponsor, broughtout.com and check out the amazing sale that they have on camp furniture right now. And while you're there, use promo code Project Outdoors to pick up an extra 10% off of your, off your order site-wide. Till next time, get out there in the wild because that's where the stillness and the adventure lies. See ya.